This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. It's Monday morning, and you're listening to MPB Think Radio. And this is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor, Carol. Indeed it is. Good morning, Mel. How are you? Well, I'm doing great this morning, and how do you think Java's doing? Java's doing good. I can see him from here. Yeah, I'm doing good. How y'all? <laughs> You've got on a scarf, and I've got on shorts. It's that time of year where it we're is confused. Where you just don't know exactly <laughs> what to do. <laughs> it's our mini little autumn fall season. And gorgeous it is. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Getting up early and with the sunrise. This morning there was an incredible sunrise. Pinks and beautiful colors, yellows all in the sky, great clouds. And mm. the sunsets haven't been so bad either. Well, you know, I see week. the sun rise. Yeah. You see the, see the sun set. Right. That's right. That that's that's how we roll. Java, what about you? I'm a sunset. Yeah, that sunrise uh-huh. I often miss it. <laughs> well, Carol, uh what's been going on with you this week? I know you've been doing some moving, right? Well, yes, my partner, my significant other John is um moving out of a house he's been in for 40 years so it's been quite the project you know but i'm good but i haven't been cooking as much as i normally do you've been dealing with boxes packing well you know i'm doing the same thing i'm on the other end i'm unpacking 40 years uh down at the hallam house building and uh it's it's about the same amount of stuff i I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) i got ten thousand square feet what you got (laughs) Not that bad. <laughs> Your stuff's probably a little more valuable than mine. I don't but, know. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that uh, you're getting to take a break from all of that. And let's talk about food. So <clears throat> how about our uh, cooking and coping this week? Have you been uh, dialed in or have you been too busy to even check on No, I've, I've dialed in, but I haven't. I have nothing to show the group. I've not been a good community member. That's okay. Because I've been eating a lot of sandwiches out of paper bags. Well, sometimes that's just the way it is. Now, I have brought uh, here in the table, it's right before us here, uh, an apple pie that Kara made. And I brought it to share uh, with Java and Carol. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful pie. It's very tasty. Sort of a rustic that the, woman the, knows how to make a crust. With the cut-out crust of different of symbols. different leaves. Yeah, leaves yes. and stuff. It's, it's autumn, so it's, it's a beautiful pie, very tasty. And also, you know, we like to talk about hand pies or fried pies. Mm-hmm. And a listener, Tom O'Massey, was recently in New Orleans. And we talk a lot about Hubig's and the great Hubig pies exactly. from, from New Orleans. Well, he, he scoured the city and says he was unable to locate any Hubig's. He thinks they're still on sabbatical. Yes, this was after their big fire. It was actually, it was a few years ago, but I, I think they're coming back from what I hear. So he brought, he brought us two New Orleans uh, pies called Hand Pies by an organization, I mean a company called Hadels, H-A-Y-D-E-L apostrophe S, Hadels Bakery in New Orleans, and these are called New Orleans Hand Pies. Now... Carol, you and I have the cherry. Yes. And Java has the apple. So let's munch up on it. And, okay. Uh, and let's sort of give it a taste. I mean, this is research and we do it for the people. It has to be done. <laughs> we have to sacrifice for our listeners. Now, there is a local uh, fried pie place on Highway 49 South in uh, Flowood called Tom's Pies. And, and I had intended to have some of Tom's Pies here with the Hadels, but they're closed on Sunday and Monday, so I'll, I'll have to circle back to that. But I was amazed to find, by looking online at the Tom's Pies uh, website, that they serve fruit pies, the traditional you know, apple, exactly. cherry, pear, uh, but also cream pies, but more importantly, savory pies. They have chicken, beef, Tex-Mex. I mean, they, this is a full restaurant operation selling nothing but pies, savory and sweet, and they do have two sides, coleslaw and potato salad. Well, I'm really relieved to hear about those savory pies because this means that when you and Java and Mm. I finally go, we've been talking about it for months, we can have a whole meal of pies. 
Yeah. You like that, Java? We'll have a meat pie. But I wonder if with the savory pies, I just I instantly thought about like a empanada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a with a like a chicken empanada or yep. pork empanada. Also a, a hand pie. Yeah. And I know you guys would not be surprised to to learn that you know, hand pies immigrated to this country just like you know a lot of people did and they like came we did. yeah <laughs> they came from however we got here um, they came from an area in Wales and the miners would take the fried pies in their pails you know to lunch hmm. pocket pies and they were all savory pies but once they hit the south that's when the sugar came Ah, you know, we love we love to sweeten things. Well, and and historically in the American South, the fried pie was known as the crab lanterns. Do you know about that? No. Yeah, it's a ter- it's a term <clears throat> that dates back, that dates back to the 1770s, uh, and we think it might have originated by <clears throat> by using the crab apple pies that had slits for ventilation, thus resembling a lantern. I'll be so, darned. Crab lanterns. There's so much history about food. I mean, you know, we sometimes take for granted what is on. We often <clears throat> take for granted what True. is on the plate, and it, it, it's really um, good. And it's the right thing to do to think about where it came from. And it's always fascinating to hear about like the utility of food. Like the hand pie was made, like you said, for the miners to take mm-hmm. with them so they mm-hmm. can have something safe because you can't take a plate. Into the mines. <laughs> yeah, and you can put it in your pocket, too. Sort of uh, how pocket. the po' boy became so legendary and making a sandwich that you could wrap up and put in your, your bag or your coat pocket and unwrap it and eat it on the job. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm, Arkansas really claims the hand pie. They did not invent it, invent the fried pie, the hand, but, but it's a uh-huh. big deal there. They have festivals. They have... You know, pie shops, um, but they've really elevated it to an to an art form. Huh. Well, I, I didn't know that about Arkansas. Yeah, and then across across the border, uh, I found about a an, a pie place in Oklahoma, Davis, Oklahoma, called Arbuckle's Mountain Pies, and Ooh. they serve up to two thousand fried pies a day. That's a lot of pie. It's a lot of pie, and it's been so popular that they have, you know, other locations now. So this could be a road trip. Yes. Now, do they do savory as well as sweet? They do. They mm-hmm. do cream pies and, and savory pies. And, um, yeah, they say that the recipe, I mean, it tastes just like the crust that you would, you know, you would make at home. So uh, y'all, y'all took a bite uh, of, of the fried New Orleans pie. Uh, Java wasn't as good as the ones you brought. Well, yeah. Oh, I, I oh wait. Gonna, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Those that you brought, I'm, I'm just saying, different league. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing. But I'm, I'm going to taste this, uh, taste the cherry ones you got if, uh, if anybody wants some of this apple. It's a, it's, it's, it's a good hand pie. I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah, it, it has a really uh, thick crust, much thicker than than what we're used to yeah there it is yeah Yeah. and java the pies i brought you that you were not here to receive a couple of months ago were from Lindsay chevron in oxford and i love their pies in fact in the name of research i heated those pies (laughs) up this morning took one for the show i took one for the show i tried one reheated in the microwave and then i one reheated in the oven Mm. which I left in the oven. Did you ever find anybody to turn the oven off, girl? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. But this is the thing about reheating fried pies. Okay. The best way to reheat them is to put your oven on 350 and to either put the pie directly on the rack or put like a cake rack or something that vents it so it can cook above and below. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the, and they uh, heat up real well. We'll take Kathleen's call now. Kathleen from Osaka is calling in. Hello, friend. Hello. I've got some funny for you today. Now, you know, there's a whole lot of difference between Louisiana and Mississippi. But the more that we're different, the more that we stay the same. Well, I live in a Mitt County. Yes. And 15 miles down the road, it's a meat 
Louisiana. Yes. Had a hard time. But when you say Hadels, if you said that in New Orleans, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. It'd have to be Hadels. Ah, there you yes. go. Yes, we were just it's corrected. Right, we had another caller call in. <laughs> we have we have offended the fraud pie gods. That no, are no, so happy to correct just, it. It's just like Cyril, Neville, and Cecil. Right. It's the same, but it's it's just you know it's like New Orleans and New Orleanians. <laughs> but I got a kick out of that. That's oh, good. Mal- uh, Malcolm, I found an old cookbook of mine I was looking through, and it's called uh, Recipes of the Past or Gone By Days. And they had a recipe that it told us each one has a story, and it's about how they got the recipe off the radio. So they called it the Radio Such and Such Recipe. And they never knew the name of it, and this was like late 1800s. So I started laughing. I said, well, I'm going to have to call Malcolm and tell him we're going to call it the RTR, Radio Tomato Recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and any, anybody's got one, phone it in, we'll, we'll, we'll swap them out. But uh, I just got a kick out of that. But uh, I'm sure... Uh, anybody? Oh, Haydells was big. Haydells, Mackenzie's, but there was one called um, Jenna, Genevieve, Genoa. Uh, it was uh, a G. Genoa, uh, Genero's, Genero's ah, Bakery, and um, Metairie, and then they had Marguerite. That's Metairie. Metri, <laughs> or not? If you say Metairi, we don't know what continent you're from. <laughs> well, y'all have a good day. I enjoy laughing at y'all, but I tell you what, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's like waking up and, and listening to your family members arguing over something over the kitchen table. So I'm tuned in. Well, thank you, <laughs> Kathleen. That's just what we do. Hey, Dells, Michael. I think Malcolm. Hey, <laughs> Dells. Hey, Dells. Oh, well. You live and you learn. You know what I'm saying? All right. We're going to uh, also, Carol, we're going to talk about hush puppies a little bit today. And, and, and what I'm interested in here is how to make your hush puppies soft and spongy as opposed to hard as brick bats. So we're going to be asking our listeners to share their hush puppy secrets. How do you make them soft and spongy? Not like brick bats. Not like brick bats. That's what Mrs. Tuminella used to say about her meatballs when I was working over in Vicksburg at Tuminella's. She she had us make the meatballs a certain way, and you were not to pat them hard. You were to leave them soft and spongy, and they were never to be hard like brick bats. Miss Mary Tuminella there. Also, uh, Java sent, out, sent you and I uh, a text about what do you like to eat your cornbread with. So we're going to talk about eating cornbread with chili, eating cornbread with beans, eating cornbread with vegetables. And honestly, we'll talk about anything you folks want to talk to. So give us a call. We'll return after a short break. We're looking forward to talking to Bob Yarbrough on the phone. Big celebrity. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White, Carol Puckett. We are here today to really talk about most anything. We've covered a few topics. We will be getting to the pizza craze and how over the pandemic, Many, many people have turned to not only baking bread, but making homemade pizzas at home. And Carol has done some extensive research on that. Oh, oh, it's extensive. And we've got uh, one of our great cooking and coping uh, followers and contributors, Bob Yarbrough, is going to join us in just a second. But before we go there, I wanted to share an email, a text I just got from a listener who says, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the sacrifice of eating fried pies on my taxpayer-funded radio station. I don't know how I can ever repay you. Isn't that lovely? It's lovely. And, Malcolm, just like when you were executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, we do this for the people. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. It's time to talk about pizza. And, Carol, why don't you do our lead-in here because you've been – I'm actually doing a little more work on this one than I have. Yeah. Uh, 
it just came to me this this weekend. Even the Wall Street Journal in their weekend. Even the Wall Street even Journal. Even the Wall Street Journal had a multi-page article on pizzas and the pizza craze that really started during the pandemic. Now, I mean, pizza, pizzas, homemade pizzas have always been popular, but it's now been raised to an art form. And there even a whole selection of home pizza ovens. Some of them are, or most of them are outdoor, <coughs> but at affordable prices, like between $140, which is affordable, you know, on up in the hundreds. But it's a pizza oven you can put on your deck, on your patio. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. Multi-fuel. I mean, you can do charcoal. You can do wood. You can do fuel. Gas. Gas. Correct. And, and I was... Um, I didn't read the whole article, but I listened to the podcast of the article. So I got a general idea about what you're talking about. And they were talking a lot about products and stoves and gear. So, uh, I mean, I guess the fact is they're saying, someone's saying, you can't really make a good homemade pizza with the oven that your house came with. Is that the bottom line? Well, that may be their bottom line, but it is wrong, wrong, wrong. They said it has to get up to like six, seven, eight hundred yeah, degrees. degrees. I mean, yeah. does your oven do that? Uh, my oven doesn't do that, but but uh, in a few minutes we're going to talk to a guy who makes his pizzas in a home oven. He might make them other places too, but most of us have to do them in home ovens. Yeah. Well, again, just take. I was gleaning this gleaning. from the Wall Street, Street Journal, Journal article. <laughs> yes. The Wall Street Journal. I just love the thought of people in high office buildings in New York checking their stock quotes oh. and reading about pizza. And did you see the or hear about the whole list of pizza cookbooks? I did. That are either out or coming out. Yeah, it, it, it's a full-blown craze. And, okay, and I well, guess it results from COVID, much like yeah. the sourdough bread craze. But The Joy of Pizza, which I think is going to be a really uh, great book, it's the author is Dan Richer, will be out this month. But the one I specifically wanted to mention to you in Java is one called Modernist Pizza. Modernist. It is 1,708 pages. Wow. It is by some guys. They've done these big books before. I think they're scientists. Maybe something to do with Microsoft. Uh, Nathan Mirvold and Francisco Magoya. And the book is $425, but it scientifically breaks it down to talks about the uh, size of the particles of flour. I mean, it's very detailed. So if you want to get into detail, look up Modernist Pizza. All right, before we get uh, the expert, uh, Bob Yarber, on the phone, we do have a caller from Boonville, Mississippi. Uh, Tommy's on the phone. He wants to talk about turnip consumption, hush puppies, and pizza. He has a comment about pizza as well. Man, this guy knows everything. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Mal. Good to talk to you all. Uh, got some bad news. Uh, well, the internet, this would have been the 22nd year of the International Turnip Green competition and uh, some things have happened that uh, uh, we're going to have to postpone you know the among the international committee there's really two schools the sweet school and the savory school and currently the sweet school is in the majority and uh, frankly the savories are just become so difficult they, they can't govern and uh, <laughs> so the result of that we're going to postpone until next year and, and i want to thank carol and her husband john for their willingness to be judges, and we look forward to having them next year in Boonville at the uh, competition. Uh, the uh, well, let me let me just say Germany. here, Tommy. Pardon? Thank you so much for the high honor of being a judge, and I hope you don't lose my phone number because I promise. Judge, you yeah, judging turnip greens would be a high honor. Now, you know I did it one year, Carol. I know you did, Malcolm. Those are big shoes to fill. I'm just saying. And um, my partner, John, is quite the turnip green fan. I think think he would be a good addition. Those overhauls are going to be tough to fill. Yeah. Yeah. um, It looks good on your resume. (laughs) (laughs) On your permanent record. Yeah, permanent record. (laughs) 
And listen, I wanted to just... Now, Malcolm will remember this, but many years ago at the gate of the Shallow National Park, there was a, a catfish place called Ed Shaw's. They had what I thought were the best hush puppies. They put sage in their hush puppies. Sage. Very, very, very sort of uh, fall-esque, Christmassy. Yes, heard. yes. Very, very good hush puppies. And uh, uh, we, we cooked a pizza last night. Uh, used that little... Uh, Packaged mix and always put extra sage and and uh, it uh, there's just so many different things you can do with that. It's just kind of wide open there, but country sausage and fennel seed and and uh, wow. onions and those things make lots of cheese. Uh, make a pizza that that we all just love. What what temperature did you cook this pizza on, there, Mister? Five hundred. Five hundred max. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I think that's about Actually, that oven goes more, but 500, and uh, that makes a difference, it seems. Yeah. Let me but, ask you this question, back to the hush puppies. You made some, you make great hush puppies. I've eaten them many times. Thank you. What do you think makes a hush puppy soft and spongy as opposed to hard like a brick bat? Well, you know, I've cooked both kinds. Um, the, uh, I, I think the hot grease the quicker the, the, the brown, and, and I think that creates, allows the center to still be, you know, soft and rather than, than hard. Because, but I say I've cooked them both. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. The, the temperature. Okay. That's, that's it. Good yeah. tip. Is there but, a particular ingredient you put in that would make, like a, like a baking powder, baking soda, or some such? Some people put beer in their hush puppies. I put beer if uh, if I hadn't uh, drunk it up, uh, but uh, buttermilk's good. Milk's buttermilk's good. real good. And uh, yeah, that's I used to sell fries and flour. I'm shortcut there, but uh, yeah, un- chopped onions and as I said, sage. Now, if and if and when uh, the International Turnip Green Festival resumes in 2022 fall of yes. 2022 there at the courthouse grounds in Boonville. Yes. Am, am I assuming that if you've invited the ambassador and Carol to be judges that the theme of that year would be Portugal? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And and we're, we're excited about having Portugal. It's such a unique country. Okay, guys. They are yes. they are referencing that my significant other was an ambassador uh, ambassador to Portugal at one time. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if the Portuguese actually do turnip greens, but I'm sure they do something akin. Well, every year he has an international A theme. A theme. Oh, I see. And it, I was there one yeah. year. I think it was Greece that year. I don't remember. Um, I believe so. But you've had many representatives from various countries who sort of fit in with the theme. And so you and John were selected because you're an expert and you're a co-host of this fantastic radio show, but also because of John's time in Portugal. I had no idea See, that it was go. he that no, no, is the main attraction. Oh, no, no, But no, you no. know what, Malcolm? He still has those little flags, you know, how you see on cars when you're an ambassador to have the two little flags. Could you put could, those on and drive yes, them to Boonville yes, up to will, Natchez we will, Trace? We will do that. <laughs> this could be great. Oh, that'd be perfect. That'd, that'd be too perfect. much. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and as I said, we're optimistic that the, the committee will will come to their senses and uh, and we can move on with this. And, uh, well, I hope you can get the sweet and savory uh, to work together. I know sometimes it's hard. It's a lot of partisanship, a lot of partisanship out there. Absolutely, yes, yes. And just, uh, they need to think about what's best for, for the event. Yeah, and not exactly. so much for themselves. Well, I, okay. will, I will see you at the appropriate time when the festival isn't <laughs> full. It's this weekend. It would have been this weekend. It would have been this weekend. It's part of the Boonville Fall Festival, right, Tom? Yeah, that's, that's correct. But anyway, we've got a year to work on this, you guys. And, uh, Absolutely. So thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for calling. We appreciate you, and we'll see you soon. And now, do you want to introduce Bob, our <clears throat> expert uh, cooking and coping? Good B-L-B, morning, Bob. BLB. Good morning, Bob. Hello. How are y'all? How are things in Richmond, Virginia? I'm in Charlottesville. Charlottesville? <laughs> oh, yeah. silly me. Oh, well. <laughs> how are things in Virginia? 
it's close enough. Close enough for government work. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, we already know what you're having for lunch today because you posted it. <laughs> we, we know before you do. Yeah. So tell, tell us what you're having for lunch today. Uh, we had uh, yesterday, uh, my wife was out of town for the weekend, which gives me more time and space in the kitchen than I usually have. Anyway, I made uh, cheesy mushroom and kale strata mm. and uh, made it yesterday, stuck it in the refrigerator and uh, we're heating it up. And Actually, we just, uh, we'll be knocking out a little bit more of it here soon. When you only got two people and you make a big dish, you eat it for several days. Nothing wrong with that. Well, I see yeah. that you you made it in a cast iron skillet, and you use a cast iron skillet for many of the things you make. I do. I love it. I've got an eight inch, a ten inch, and a twelve inch skillet, and uh, they all get weekly. Well, Bob, we're going to get you to talk a little bit about pizza making because we exactly. know that, that this is a forte of yours. And just to, to start us off, uh, I want to say that you know, we got to know Bob on the Cooking and Coping uh, Facebook site, and he lived in Jackson at one time and actually had a youth group at Northminster. And one, one of his young charges, uh, Megan Sones Clapton, Friended, suggested Bob join our group, and you know I would have to say that that Bob over the past year and a half is one of the two or three stars that everybody goes to, and I think that's because you are such an incredibly giving person and so free to share your knowledge and your recipes, which are always so wonderful looking. That now there is a movement. It's called BLB, and that means Be Like Bob. And (laughs) different posters on cooking and coping will either open their post or close their post with BLB. So how does that feel? (laughs) It's humbling, a little bit embarrassing, but thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, talk to us about how you make your pizzas at home. Yeah, uh, I I heard... uh, uh, the intro and saw the Wall Street Journal article, and um, I, I agree, man. I, I had made pizza prior to being kind of locked down here at our house a year or so ago, but had never really explored it as, as kind of an art and a, and a fun hobby. And I kind of stumbled upon a couple of recipes uh, that really got me going. The first was what's called New England Bar Pizza, and it was... Uh, a recipe I found in America's Test Kitchen book, I believe. And you kind of just make the simple pizza in cake pans, like eight-inch cake pans. Mm. And apparently in New England, you can go to a bar and order order up one of these things, and I'll just throw it to you while you're sitting on the bar and eat it. Those were great. And then after that, I found a recipe on the King Arthur site, which... Uh, probably my go-to baking site well no probably about it it is and it's called uh, cheesy crispy pan pizza and it's a funky kind of dough you make the night before or three nights before uh, it could be either one and it rises and cooks uh, in a cast iron skillet and it really is this really crispy uh, crust a pillowy inside and kind of a light layer of toppings, but the key they do is they put the cheese on first, and that kind of protects. That's interesting. The, yeah, it protects the bread as it rises uh, in, in the oven, and you don't overly burden it with toppings. But and I think I looked back not long ago, and maybe have done fourteen different sets of toppings, everything from like pear and prosciutto and gorgonzola to harissa and serranos and spicy honey. It's really a flexible recipe, uh, and it's fun uh, to make. And that, to me, that's the key. It's fun, and I, I have fun with the creativity and, and playing with that recipe. And it is, you know, you can cook it in your oven. Thank goodness it's a regular <laughs> oven. Uh, in spite of the... 
advice from the Wall Street Journal. Well, well no. This is, so one of my bougie neighbors uh, bought an uni pizza oven uh, last week. And I was talking to him yesterday. And uh, over the last weekend, he made 12 different pizzas. <laughs> Just kept throwing them in the oven. trying to, And he still hadn't figured out really exactly how to use the oven. So I'm going to go down and work with that. And we'll yeah. see how that Well, that's, the uni oven was one that was mentioned. Right. And that's O-O-N-I. Uh, yeah. For our listeners, but Bob, I have to tell you, when I was reading the Wall Street Journal article, I thought of you because the dough recipe that they use made it sound almost impossible, you know, to make. I mean, I I think it would scare just an average cook off, and so I started thinking about your pizzas that you post are so joyful and you know the way you talk about them in in people's comments they they look like you went to your refrigerator and found some great ingredients you know, there there's nothing fussy but you you've really inspired me to do pizzas at home over the past years but yours look fun and and like that crust isn't that we can all do the crust so why don't you speak to that yeah, it is the crust for that, uh, for the crispy, cheesy pizza, uh, takes, you don't even have to knead it. You just mix it, uh, in a bowl and there's a technique they use, uh, where you just kind of pick it up, lift it up and fold it within the bowl. And you do that about four or five times the night before or up to three nights before you want to do it and just stick it in the refrigerator. And it's ready for you. And when you're ready to cook the pizza, just oil up the uh, the uh, cast iron pan and push it up, uh, push the dough out in the pan, let it rise for a little bit, and you're ready to go. That's cool. They have another one that I use uh, where you can go from thinking you want to eat a pizza to eating a pizza, homemade one in two and a half, three hours. And it's a bigger crust pizza. It's easy to do. Uh, like uh, Tommy said earlier, as long as you don't drink the beer before you put it in the pizza crust, <laughs> you're doing all right. Right. Well, Bob, we appreciate you so much. And I hope that you will keep inspiring everybody out there. And uh, I hope to get to Charlottesville someday to sit down at the table with you guys. Or to have Bob come to Greenwood. Well, actually, Bob, we've been talking about having a cooking and coping reunion in Greenwood, Mississippi at the Viking Cooking School. And, um, of course, you you would be one of our our featured guests. Featured guests. And uh, you may even see a BLB T-shirt. But you know, keep keep cooking, and thanks for uh, agreeing to come on this morning. Really appreciate it. Hey, hey Bob, one quick question before you go: you, When you were talking about the pizzas, you talked about the crispy crust with the pillowy inside, and of course, I thought about hush puppies. Do you make Do you make a hush puppy, and do you make it with a crispy crust and a pillowy inside? Yeah, and I agree exactly with uh, what I said earlier. It's dropping it in the in the high heat. And I always, I, the big big thing I did there in the pandemic time was I went out and bought a fancy thermopin uh, uh, thermometer mm-hmm. and just make sure that the that the grease is up to temp for me. Or you could old school just drop a little bit in there and right. see how it goes. But that's for me that that's that's been the key. And I'll use self rising uh, cornmeal. And I'll put just a little bit of extra baking soda in. Mm, a little soda. Mm-hmm. So that's the fluff factor. A yeah. little extra I, baking soda. Yeah, sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. Do you use flour and cornmeal, uh, say, more like a beignet, or do you use just straight cornmeal? I tend to go straight cornmeal, and that's from my grandma in North Carolina. Okay. Made. Great. Uh, that's how she did it, so... I'm not going to argue with her. She's been passed for a good while, but she'd come back and get me if I did yeah. anything. Don't ever argue with your grandmother. <laughs> Bob Yarber, thanks so much for joining us, man, and keep on posting on cooking and coping. Will do. Thank you all. Let's go to Oxford and talk more about Hush Puppies with our listener, Carrie. 
Hello, Carrie. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. Hope everything's good down in Jackson. It is. It's a beautiful day down here in the capital city. It is here too. Well, I wanted to call about the hush puppies. Thank you. I used to. I used to be partners in a catfish company up in the Delta, and uh, in Greenwood. And one of the things that we made was hush puppies. Um, and we were trying to find the best recipe for hush puppies, and it was particularly to make them lighter and so they'd have the soft inside and the crusty outside. Um, And the best recipe that we found was Justin Wilson's after testing many, many, many. And um, you remember the cooking Cajun, I guess? Oh, man. Big fan. I guarantee. That's a good thing to give a shout-out to. He was really the first television cook from this this area. Public broadcasting. Yeah, that's right. It was all over yeah. um, public broadcasting. And he would always cook with wine, and he would you put a little sip for the chef, and you put a little bit in the gumbo. That's right. I and mean, he was he was excellent. Well, one of the things in his recipe was plain cornmeal, and uh, it was a cup of plain cornmeal and a half a cup of flour, and then it was a half a teaspoon of soda and half a tea, and I mean, excuse me, one teaspoon of soda and one teaspoon of baking powder. And I'm sure that was the key to making it light. Uh, then, of course, it was made with buttermilk, and it did have an egg in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of the things he added to it I thought was really interesting was green onion, uh, which gave it a really nice color. But it was always light when you fried it. And uh, he always used peanut oil because you can cook it at a higher temperature and the, and the oil doesn't burn, which was also great with cooking catfish, uh, as you all know. Wow. Um, but one of, one of the things when we were making this, trying to manufacture it, the price of green onions were through the roof. <laughs> and so we had to cut corners to make it. So we used white onion and added finely chopped mustard greens, and it gave it the nice green color of a green. Wow. wow great green. idea. Well, yeah, let me ask you this question, Carrie. You seem to know quite a bit about food. Why do we call purple onions red onions? That's a good question. There was an article about that just recently, and I didn't get into the details of it, but uh, I don't know. Was well, I, could I you do I, some I, research? I always, <laughs> I always cut my fingers with uh, when I'm cutting onions, so I just figured they're always red. Ah. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a caramelized red onion that's purple. Yeah. No, not at all. Let's ask Carrie to do the research on that. On the red onion? Yeah. Yes. I saw that article, too. I, I, don't, I didn't know you'd seen it, but... We need to we need to think more about why we call purple onions red. Exactly, they well, are good. They're so good. they're fabulous. Well, thank you for listening and thank you for calling in. We appreciate this in, incredible insight on the Justin Wilson version of the Hush Puppy. Uh, I'm sure you can Google it. I'm sure you can Google his recipe. It's really great. Absolutely, I actually have a, a photograph of Justin in Howl Mouse. He was one of Hal and I's heroes growing up. We loved watching great. him on TV. Thanks so much. We appreciate the call. Thank you. Now we're going to uh, Kosciuszko to JT. We're talking about fried pies. Hello, J- uh, TJ. Sorry, got the letters backwards. That's okay. How y'all? We good. Good. We good. It's good in Kosciuszko. Yeah, it's I'll always good in Kosciuszko. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, fried pies. Yeah. My mother was an old Tennessee girl. And uh, her name was Alta Blessing. And anybody wow. with the last name of Blessing is a blessing. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. They made apricot fried pies. Mmm. That's, that's all they made. Really? Yep. Try an apricot fried pie and you will go, oh, my goodness. Well, one benefit of fried pies is you can use a lot of dried fruit. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's one of the, uh, you know, one of the things that makes them easy to do. But apricots have my attention. Where yeah. where does one get a, a resource of apricots? Do you buy them dried, or somebody have a tree, or you buy no, them at the farmer's bought, market? She, she bought them dry and brought them home in a bag, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Cooked them down, put some sugar in them, and then made her pies. And oh my goodness! Did they have slits on top of them? Yeah, 
like a yeah, lantern. And she would she would put a little wad of butter in there so when you cut it, ooh. Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds delicious. What a blessing to have grown up eating those apricot fried pies. From a blessing. And the second uh, fried pie that's my favorite, I lived in Mexico City for a couple of years, and right down the road, right down the street from uh, the factory was an Argentine restaurant, a little small one. And they cooked a empanada that was stuffed with corn and goat cheese and served it with what they call lobo, which is a tenderloin, Argentine uh-huh. tenderloin. Oh, my goodness. Man. Now you're talking savory pie. Whoo! And you would put, uh, they had this stuff called chimichurri. Yeah. Yeah, and you put it on that on that empanada fried pie and eat it with tenderloin steak from Argentina. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that sounds delicious. We might take some chimichurri sauce when we go to Tom's Fried Pies and Pearls. Might do that. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Okay, that's all I had. TJ, thanks so much for listening to Deep South Dining. Before we go to the next Yeah, call, yeah, yeah, well, hold on. I, I just have to say. Thank you, TJ, because you did exactly what this show is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you hungry. That's right. <laughs> and after TJ's call, I can taste all those things. <laughs> we appreciate you calling. Appreciate you listening. Let's see. Now we're going up to Olive Branch. Uh, we got a caller who wants to talk a little bit more about these hush puppies, and it's Ronnie. Hello, Ronnie. How you doing? Real good. And you? Oh, I can't complain too much. Uh, the, uh, the hush puppies, where did they get its name? Well, I was always told that it was leftover cornmeal that they just fried and threw out the back door at the dogs to stop yeah, them from th- yapping. Yeah, that, that's, that, that was, was the same story that my father told, yeah. but he told it a little different, was that they did it because the dogs wanted the, the fish and afraid that they would choke on the bones. They would just make the, the up little small hush puppies and feed them to the dogs. Yeah, hush and puppy, hush. <laughs> and that's where I got it came from. <laughs> So they just used they used the existing ingredients, which was the cornmeal yeah. and the wash yeah. for yeah. the fish, and just knotted it up, fried it, and threw it and out. Threw there. it out. It's a beautiful thing. That was it. That was it. I was just wondering if anybody else had the same story told to them. Yeah, I believe we all sort of grew up on that one, and that's a good one. Yes, but I yeah. bet there are more. I'm sure there are. Oh, I'm sure there is. Sure there is. Y'all have a good evening. Thanks, uh, Ronnie. Thank you, Ronnie. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you calling Deep South Dining. All right, now we're going to move over to Greenwood. We spoke of Greenwood a little while ago. We always speak of Greenwood. And we've got Bill on the phone. He's going to talk a little bit about pizza. Hey, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for thinking. Uh, all, all around here, the beautiful people uh, go to these gourmet pizza places where you pay about $35 for a pizza. Mm. How many of those are in Greenwood? Uh, well, there's are you asking beautiful people or pizza places? <laughs> I was wondering about those gourmet pizza places in Greenwood for a $35 pizza. Well, you know, they're good. They're kind of overrated, but they're good. But anyway, I, I don't really have much money, so uh, I kind of sneak on over to, uh, you ever go to Little Caesars and get that $5 pizza? It's pretty good. <laughs> but most people, you know, they, they laugh at you. You say, I'm going to. Little Caesars is a $5 pizza, but it's not really too bad. And you can, Bill, you know, I don't you... think they're laughing because they're all in line behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm a ba- old bachelor, and, and, you know, they're pretty good. You can, uh, if you eat, you eat it all at once, you get a bellyache, but if you can uh, warm them back up in your pan, you know, after you ate some, then you maybe have it for breakfast. So it's not too bad. <laughs> Yeah, nothing wrong with pizza for breakfast. A lot of people eat it right yeah, out of the refrigerator. You know, I, I fry up some eggs with it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate okay, you calling Malcolm. in, man. Thanks so much. All right, we had an email from uh, a listener last week. We were we were talking about, was it pumpkin spice, I do believe, Carol, that, that we yeah, keep we bringing kinda, up? Yeah, we kind of got off on pumpkin spice, and and I'm so sorry that we don't have the name of this person. I've been sitting here madly oh, looking. Well, anyway, let's let's read the email. We appreciate people who listen and take the time to, uh, to write us an email. And also <clears throat> agree with us. <laughs> 
As a passionate vegan plant-based foodie known as the elf in the kitchen, I must admit on being equally dispassionate about anything pumpkin. Ever since the first and last time my daddy and I carved a Halloween jack-o'-lantern when I was about five, he made me put my hand down in that gaping maw to pull out the stringy innards, the seeds, and all of that mess. Since then, I have detested the otherwise excellent vegetable. It is the equivalent of putting my fist down the throat of an alien. (laughs) Friends and family alike have tried to tempt me with pumpkin dishes they swear that I will love. Not a chance. So hearing y'all discuss the various products that have latched on to the PPP, which is Pumpkin Popularity Profusion, was ever so much fun, especially the pumpkin Roman, Roman that Carol brought up. So in the vein of vegan foods that could qualify as likewise cringeworthy, what about a pumpkin tofu scramble? Huh? We think, Carol. Well, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it it pumpkin ramen. Why not? And let's see. Uh, pumpkin salsa. You mentioned that. Air fried pumpkin guacamole. Fermented pumpkin kimchi. Pumpkin crusted kimchi. Malcolm. Kimchi. kimchi. Sorry, I'm going to have someone call and correct me on that. <laughs> I feel like Terry Bradshaw here. <laughs> that being said, the discussion of The fried hot dog did bring to mind the vegan hot dogs made from carrots. Now, there's a winner. That was one that Java told us about was hot dogs made from carrots. Yeah. And and y'all do that at your house, right? Yeah, the cool, uh, oh, I forget the name of the place, but um, yeah, it's called a cool dog. (laughs) Cool? Yeah, cool dog. You you crispy. The name's at the end there, Carol. There it is. crisp. Jan Swearingen, thank you you so, so so much. For... For listening and also for uh, taking the time uh, to call in. And speaking of emails, we just got one come in from, oh, yeah. uh, from a Steve Williams. Um, and he says, do you have an outstanding comeback dressing recipe? I think Now, that's... it's so funny that he asked because Malcolm is actually the king of comeback and wrote the entry in the Encyclopedia of Southern Culture about comeback. I knew that. Yeah, so there are a million recipes for comeback uh, on the Internet. Uh, of course, we have one at Howl and Mouse, and most all restaurants in Jackson have them. Uh, there are plenty there, and Carol detests when people spell it oddly. Oh, I cannot stand it when they spell it with the K. It is wrong. <laughs> and two words. Yes. You're traditional. You want it spelled with a, a C and one word, comeback. Yes. Yes. But we appreciate the email, that's for sure, and we uh, I guess we could post a, a recipe on the on our page. Good. Would you I believe you shared your comeback recipe in your Did book, I know, didn't you? Well, I don't think I shared it, but uh, I do know there's the dinneries recipe that's floating around from uh, the old uh, Five Points restaurant called Come if on. Java girl. will remind me because we'll uh, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll will definitely anyway. post that. But we appreciate all of our callers today. It's been fun. Uh, we we never did really talk about cornbread goes best with. Now, Java, you posted that. Yeah, that was something I saw on on Twitter. Um, if you are a good a good foodie, um, a, a nice Twitter account to follow is at Soul Foodie. That's S O U L P H O O D I E. They always post nice articles about food. But they posted this thing which was like. Which cornbread combo you grabbing? That was the that was the question. <laughs> and it was collards and cornbread, beans and cornbread, chili and cornbread, and then cabbage and cornbread. And it was just which one, you know, which one would you reach for first? Which well, one I'm, did you pick, Carol? Greens. Greens, and, greens and, cornbread. and cornbread. But I also just like uh, cornbread and pot liquor. From okay, the yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just straight up sop it up. And what about you, Java? You, you, which a, would you pick? You I had would, to pick one. Yeah, if I had if I had to pick one, it would be chili and cornbread. We agree on that's, that. One. That's me, chili and cornbread. And I think it's as much about the fact that it's fall, and we just made our first batch of uh, white chili bean chicken uh, at our house. It's well, just Kara made it. Cornbread. I ate it, and uh, we made. She made a great cornbread to go with it. I love the cornbread and chili. Hey, Mal. Before we go, uh, I forgot to to ask you this. We had a listener who just called in and said. 
can you cook pizza in an air fryer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. It is a good question. Well, I I did not know, but while we've been on the air, I looked it up, and indeed you can. And there are a number of recipes on the Internet for cooking pizza in an air fryer or reheating Uh a frozen I don't have an air fryer. Do you? No, I don't. Java, do you? I do have an air fryer, but I'm, I'm curious. I know they come in different forms, because I don't think mine would fit a pizza, so I don't know how hmm. how it works. I don't either, but it's an interesting question. I think theoretically, I, I get that it would work, uh, but but I don't know because I don't have one. But I'm with Java. I've seen them different shapes. Is yours more dome or yeah, it's round shape? It's more cylinder. Yeah, it's like a. It's almost like a like a a, a fry daddy. I guess you would mm-hmm. little like a right. little round thing. Yeah, and you put the things in there. But some have like a drawer where you kind of uh, oven tight. Yes, that's what I was. That's what yeah. I was seeing. In here. Well, surely it would make a pizza. Um, surely. I don't know how hot does yours get. Uh, mine gets up to four hundred. Okay, it's close. I mean, the Wall Street Journal, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, and I'm, and I don't understand that because we make pizzas at our house with my kids all the time. Like we get the packaged yeah. dough and just, um, you know, swirl it around, or we get the ready-made crust and we put the sauce, the cheese, and the pepperonis, pop it in the oven, and it's good to go. And that's the fun thing; it's a family dish, and you can highly entertain children making pizza. And I can, I don't know if we, I know we're going to eat pizza. I go ahead and say we're going to make some pizza because it's easy. Yeah, yeah. why not make it? Yeah. Half the fun's making it. Well, this is a great show. We appreciate all our listeners, and particularly our callers and those who participate, sending us emails. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks just like yourself. Thank you. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, I'm Malcolm White. Please now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed immediately by Southern Remedy at 11. And join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio.